Welcome, everybody, to the 24th episode of Chelsea Against the World, the podcast that brings together an American and an Englishman to discuss all things Chelsea Football Club. I'm your host, Manny. And I'm your host, Simon. Manny, we're on episode 24, the number of our new club captain. Our capitano, <laughs> Reese James. This episode is in honor of you, buddy. What a, what a bit of news that was, actually. I think we all suspected it, that yeah. he was going to be the captain, but it's... It fills my fills my heart when you see a Cobham graduate become Chelsea captain, and and especially also Ben Chilwell as vice captain was also really interesting. I thought if Reese James was captain, I thought surely they'd make you know Thiago Silva as our vice captain. But I think everybody knows that you know I think Thiago, I mean obviously still a great center back. I think you know going to see him for another one or two years maybe, and possibly in sort of the transition to making it into to these you know younger uh, Cobham graduates like Reese James and you know influential players in the yeah. pitch. But what we are recording after our amazing 1-1 draw against Liverpool, it almost feels like a victory, even though it was a draw. We both predicted a Chelsea win, but I think given the developments of the week and not having Caicedo signed or Lavia signed and going into the game with that defensive mid, I thought it was just it was just a good game. It was a very fun day. A very fun day. It was a unique feeling that I haven't felt in a long time of going into a Chelsea game with a sense of optimism, even though the opponent is Liverpool. And whenever we play Liverpool, it's just like a legacy feeling of mine to be a nervous wreck. Just because I always have... When we talked about those scarring moments with Valer here last week, but Liverpool games, to me, the Champions League Liverpool games have always been the biggest ones that we've had. It just always felt monumental. And having them on the first day of the season this time, it felt... As you, I think you mentioned earlier to me, it felt like a cup final and it was just, I mean, the bar in Nashville was absolutely packed. We had lots of people there, hopefully some new listeners because we had absolutely. Some, some cards. <laughs> Thanks Meg for that. And we, yeah, it was a real carnival atmosphere at the bar today, I thought. We had over, I would say over about 100 people, 100 plus people there at the uh, at the pub and the usual subsects as well in the Music City Blues, but all the newcomers in Nashville as well. Maybe some people were visiting from out of town. I talked to one couple and they were from like Virginia in town in Nashville, but they came and visited us in the bar and it was just an electric, electric atmosphere. The pub was buzzing. We were drinking, we were celebrating. Uh, we thought the go ahead goal, that was a lot of fun as well. But it's interesting that it doesn't matter how bad or good Chelsea is or how bad or good Liverpool is. When they both play each other, both teams are up for it. This is like what our seventh draw in a row. You're not counting, you know, going to the penalties in the cup finals. Seven draws in a row. And and the games, even though they're draws, zero, zero, one, one, or whatever, they're entertaining games and they're always open. They're so open. So always a lot of chances. Yeah. I it's crazy. I think I made this point to you earlier, but so no matter where Chelsea and Liverpool are, in terms of if they're playing great or they're playing terribly, like both of the clubs were poor last season. The games are so evenly matched and like it's like a heavyweight, as you said, like a heavyweight boxing fight where one blow, one blow, one blow, one blow. And also just to give some context in terms of the the amount of people in the pub this morning, in national time, the games kick off at, this game kicked off at 10.30 a.m. this morning and the bar was rammed, rammed at 10.30. And yeah, like, we get there kind of late. We thought we were getting there early yeah. and we walked in. I was like, we struggled oh to God. get a seat. Yeah. Um, I was like, we had to pass a beer line. It was too long. I was like, let's go grab a seat first. And this is the thing that I need to implore to our English audience as well is that the fan base here turns up for every game no matter what time the game kicks off. If the bar is open, which most of the time is at Tailgate Music Row, which is awesome. I don't, it's the dedication of the fans here to turn up 
to watch a team that plays in a different country at a pub at whatever time in the morning every single time is pretty amazing and for any English people who come over to the to the US on vacation or holiday whatever I would implore you to in your Chelsea fan go to one of the Chelsea clubs around in America because it's so so much fun and like today when <laughs> yeah as you said this the second goal went in which was disallowed there was like proper limbs going on in the, in the bar like we were jumping up and hugging with strangers and it was just it felt it felt really fun it felt really really fun and kind of going to the game in general when you saw the lineup come out did you think we would play a back three no and you know for listeners i guess we'll go ahead and roll through the lineup very quickly um we had sanchez and goal cole will silva and uh disasi in the back three chua left wing back reese james right wing back or our midfielders uh chuck Wilmeca, gallagher fernandez and two up front jackson and sterling and i literally we had predicted the lineup and we all thought that we would play three midfielders but it would be in a back four but I was just like, I wasn't shocked. I was sort of surprised. And it, and it and actually worked. It worked to an extent. Yeah, it did. I think the lineup was, I'm trying to turn over a new leaf this year in terms of optimism. I feel that I have, we have a coach now who I fully, but fully, I'm fully bought into. I, I was anyway when we hired him, but like seeing the first stages in preseason and today, I am bought into this guy. I think he's the perfect appointment for us. And I'm not going to question what he does in terms of his tactical arrangements. I think there's... I made this point last season we, where we couldn't guess our lineup because the managers were so clueless in terms of just throwing as much shit at the wall and hope it sticks. I feel with Pochettino, if he tweaks things, it's done for a reason. And he sees things within that tactical arrangement in Liverpool and the opposition teams within our strengths and weaknesses as a squad to tailor it to the opposition. And I think you still impose your game onto them, but you react. Because Liverpool are a very, very good team. Like, I know they have some obvious weaknesses, but they're still one of the best teams in the Premier League for the last decade. With Mo Salah, who's arguably one of the best forwards in the league for the last 10 years as well. They can cause you a lot of problems and like you can impose your game as much as possible, but you do need to react to what's happening around you. And I think that formation today, I initially I was like, I, I, could, I don't see it, but he obviously sees something and it, I think it worked generally. Yeah. And looking at Liverpool's lineup, they had, uh, Trent Alexander honored right back, Kanate and, uh, Van Dyke in the center back positions, obviously Roberson in the left fullback and Allison in goal. And then a midfield of all like eights, you yeah. know, uh, uh, so, McAllister and, and, uh, Yapko. Am I saying that? Hackbo. 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 Yeah. I got a little Dutch pronunciation lesson from Simon. <laughs> The announcers were calling him Gakbo, and he was like, no, no, it's H. It's yeah. Hakbo. The G is silent. Yeah, and Yota, uh, Salah, and Diaz in the top three. And it was like almost like a four zero six. Yeah. what I thought, you know? And it was, and I predicted it to be an open game. We predicted it to be an open game, and was it, it was everything, it was everything that we predicted. It was such an open game, especially for the first 10 minutes. We were very nervy yeah. on the ball. And Liverpool were very good in that first 10. Yeah, they were. If you go back to the great Jurgen Klopp teams... Of the last few years, I don't know if you remember, but you what the first ten minutes is where they won the game. They overload, absolutely overload the attack, and just catch the opposition off guard. And it felt like that today. Like we were obviously, I think we were nervous, but I think also Pochettino realised that that was their strategy. I don't know if you remember, but they were just they looked like they had five men up. 
yeah. against it us. Was, it was crazy counter-pressing. They just yeah. like, boom, and just went on attack. And, and they you have to give them credit. Like, they were very, very good in that yeah. first 10, 15 minutes. And it's easy for teams to get overwhelmed by that. But I think we were nervy and we made a few rash tackles and some inexperience there, but we handled it well. I think, yeah, that first half was mad. That first yeah. half was mad. I think it if like you put swung a, in lots of different a, ways. If you put a heart rate monitor on both of us, yeah. it was like jumping up and down, up and down. I was like, this is just too much right now, yeah, you know? Yeah. Uh, but what caught my eye in the first half was that we can talk about their goal. And it was just incredible passing on that first goal that yeah. they had. I mean, they just cut apart our, 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 our midfield and just made that incredible pass to Mo Salah. And then Mo Salah's pass, wow, to Diaz. Sensational. Just, it was just on the money. And that, if you look at the replays, we were both actually giving – um, some you know some encouragement to Desasi that we thought that maybe he messed up, but it was mainly on the replay. Reese James didn't just track back enough, but he was playing way far up ahead. It's hard for him to kind of get back on that as well. But it was his mistake. And then when the second goal went in, I thought this is just you know this is going to be one of those days. And we had talked about it in the car ride to yeah. the bar. We said you know win, lose, or draw, we know this is going to be a new Chelsea team. We don't have a defensive mid or expectations, even though we pre- both predicted wins. Um, you know, we would not be as upset or disappointed if we lost or draw the game and drew the game. But then VAR came in and, 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 you know, called that goal offside. And then from there on, I thought we were the better team. Yeah. It's interesting actually. And we talked about this at the bar that a couple of things. So first of all, where the goal came from, you're right. We initially thought it was DeSassi's mistake, but it was Reese James not tracking back. But I think the way that Liverpool were playing, there was three or four times in the first half where, each defender within our system was pulled out of position. So Reese James was pulled out for the goal. DeSassi was pulled out of position earlier. The only one, and Colwell for the disallowed goal was probably his him coming out of position as well. The only one who remained a constant was the centre-back in the middle, so Thiago Silva. Mm-hmm. And I feel that that's just a product of Liverpool's attack, really. Like, I think, especially when, because you, you have to try and attack them. You have to. So there is some balance in terms of throwing men forward and keeping enough back, but the way that they counter attack, they overload you. So you've always got that man over. So do you want to keep Salah out in the wings or do you want him more central? So, and I thought initially, I didn't understand why our defenders were leaving the men out wide, but then I, in the second half, I kind of clocked onto it a little bit because Salah did next to nothing in that second half. And he was out wide for most of it. And that's why you want him. You don't want him in the middle trying to score. And that pass for the goal was just world class. It was. And you just, sometimes you just have to tip your hat and say you, you can change things in defense to, to, obviously there's a mistake somewhere, but it's just a world-class pass and a good finish. Um, With this, the second Liverpool goal, which was, was disallowed. Again, I thought that was just clever, clever attacking play. And that was what the nature of the game shifting. And as you mentioned, our reaction to that, to go score and hopefully we could have scored two goals in, in a minute after that was the most encouraging aspect, the resilience of our team today. I think also what's important is we mentioned this at the bar when when Poch saw how much possession Salah was getting on the 1v1s against that left side, he made the tactical decision that in the second half when we're on defense, and if you watch the game again, you saw James Ch- or Ben Chilwell, he didn't go into that left wing back position. He actually sat in front of Colwell and played in the sort of like a left defensive mid. And it actually was such a smart tactical switch that it did not provide Salah all that space because you had two people on him yeah. now. And you saw in the second half, he was non-existent. Did nothing. He did, did nothing. nothing. And we would, we, we, would, we would not see that tactical change in our managers last year. 
to be no. able to make a change at half and say, all right, even though we have a back three on paper when we're on defense, Ben Chill is going to slot into the midfield next to Enzo and next to Connor and play sort of a tight three-man midfield on defense and sort of limit uh, the approach and Mosal on the right side. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. And also, you have to give credit to the coaching, but also the adaptability of Chilwell to come and play. Because I thought he was a bit all over the place in the first half, for the first few minutes of it. And then the second, I thought it was sensational in the second half. And like, it's one thing being able to try and to adapt a tactic, but also getting players to buy in and be smart enough to adjust. And credit, this is the true aspect of a great manager that they can make in-game changes and the players know what to do they're drilled to such a high degree and just as I said I think we've got the right person in charge to to, to evolve this team now um what did you think of our goal yeah you know we had the moniker being set piece FC for a while <laughs> or we always had defensive uh, goals, but whoever had Desasi being the first ever, you know, goal scorer for this season, it wasn't on my no. Um, I didn't think he was going to get card. near the team. Yeah, exactly. I didn't know he was going to start. Yeah. Right, but good on him. You know, it was, it, was, it was a ball in, and they knocked it out of the box, and then we regained possession, and then I think it was it was an Ento that put the ball back yeah. in, and then Chilwell had the header into Desasi. He was just in a great position. I think Van Dyke was marking somebody else in front of him, and it was probably Trent's man that you know Trent uh, Trent always had the. You know the um, fortitude of not being very good in the defensive side of the ball, and he was on this side. Just let Desasi gave him so much space, and he scored. Yeah, I uh, I can't remember the last time that we scored a goal from a set piece. Really, last last couple of seasons, it's like few and far between. Yeah, I, we were very good in set piece with Thomas Tuchel, especially in the Champions League run as yeah. well. And then I think last year sort of dropped off. Um, you know, losing Rudiger, I think Rudiger was really important in the set piece, yeah. not just hitting the golf ball in, but also, you know, being able to position himself really and occupy a lot of space and, and, and man marking and whatnot and giving more space for Silva or somebody else to yeah. score. I think probably, it was probably, was it Koulibaly against Tottenham last yeah, year? Yeah, it was. You know, yeah, was that yeah. the last time we scored? Yeah, uh, so under two call. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe, maybe there may be one before that, but we didn't score that many goals last yeah. year anyway, so. Yeah. <laughs> it's a new leaf. I think it was 36 goals total yeah. we scored. <laughs> one per game. That's right. Uh, but no, and then the second chance, man, I that was just awesome. It was just... Liverpool looked like shit and on the defensive side in that last part of that second half. I mean, they were just letting Enzo run through. You know, Chilwell was making runs. Even Nico Jackson. Yeah. And even, uh, it was it, uh, Carney was making some, you know, good ball movement in the second part of the first half as well. I think we made them look like shit. Yeah. I think yeah. it was... No the, defensive the, the, mid. No yeah. defensive mid. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you, can, you can't expect Hopko yeah. <laughs> to be a midfielder, you know, when he's a forward player. You yeah, know? he's a striker. Yeah, really by trade, like, isn't why do you have him in the midfield? Yeah, you know, but I guess they don't have that many options. Yeah, and you have to. Look, we gave credit for Liverpool looking immense in that first fifteen minutes, and I think we were. We really didn't need half time. We were. I think that second goal was coming if the, yeah. the half had continued. We had all the momentum, and our attacking players, their play in general was just unpredictable and fast and direct and all all of the attacking players are in that section so Nicholas Jackson I know we're going to talk about him more in, in later in the episode but him Sterling got Gallagher improved a lot in that, that second part of the first half Chick Wameka I thought really came into the game well and I think people because the, the image on the screen you couldn't really see for the shadow but I think people didn't realise that Chipmaker had taken number 17 and Sterling had switched. So when Chipmaker fucked up, everyone was like, oh, for fuck's sake, Sterling. Yeah. I was like, that's actually Chipmaker who did that. But no, he was, 
he's a young kid as well and yeah. like he stepped up and like as you said that kind of air of resilience within the team and just taking the game by the scruff of the neck and hitting them hard I don't think they were expecting it yeah. and it was kind of like shock and awe in that end of, and yeah we the attacking play was very very good and then the halftime bell ring or rung I don't know what they say the halftime whistle, whistle. blue <laughs> you know ding, 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 ding. <laughs> halftime whistle blue and then you came on the second half and it seemed like in the beginning part of the second half Liverpool had a lot of momentum in the first five or six minutes and then when we just we just came to light again and I think Nico Jackson had a really good opportunity to score in, in that uh in the second half it was yeah. a great ball laid into him by Reese James it was just beautiful I mean him Sterling and Nico are going to have a great partnership on I think that, that right was side. Colwell who laid it in. No, I think it's when it was Reese James kind of crossed it back in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Know. Sorry, I think of another chance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it was built up between Sterling and James coming on that right side, and then Nico just made a great run in and got in front of his defender and just you know just squared it, skied yeah. it, skied it. I guess. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, I forgot about that chance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What an opportunity to score that was. The um, yeah second half was interesting. It was like again, I thought we were getting stronger as the game went on, and then the substitutions kind of killed any momentum that we did have and I think you understand why those substitutions were made because we were playing with such high intensity I remember like the last few minutes even though Enzo played the entire game he looked out on his feet by the end of it and Sterling I think looked his level dropped in the second half and I think that again you can just put that down to the high intensity way that we play and we were lucky that we've got similar kind of high energy players that came on but I think it felt like a pre-season game when the substitutions were made it, it felt a little bit disconnected yeah it seems like our momentum career went down and they had the opportunity at the end as well and then they got the corner and I thought the last play between Mudrick and Nico Jackson and then uh laying that ball into Ian Matz and I think that was the last chance we had to score yeah, and it was right towards the end of injury time but that continuity will come yeah. I'm confident in that like that is Again, that's it's the first game of the season, and there's a lot of expectation. There was a lot of heightened emotion around what's happened in, with the transfer sagas this week, and I think I'm confident. I've seen enough from our attacking play that we're going to bag in some goals this year. Really. So, game sending in one one. I think we had the xG was similar between Liverpool and Chelsea. Maybe we're up by like point zero two or whatever. Who was your man in the match? That's a tough one. It's a tough one. I think there could be several candidates in Curtis terms of Jones. <laughs> no, I'm talking Chelsea only. I'm not going to give those. I'm going to give the Scousers any more credit. Um, interesting. I, I think it, my mind has changed on it a couple of times. I think it's Enzo Fernandez actually. Yeah, that's mine too. Yeah. <laughs> Initially, I was like Chipmaker started scrappily and then grew into the game and I thought was very dangerous I think Sterling had a great first half I think Gallagher started terribly and then really grew into it I was he really was impressed everywhere in the second half very impressed I know we give him a bad time but yeah. I thought he was excellent he was incredible in the Chilwell second half Chilwell as well I think James was poor actually yeah. in the first half and he grew into it again like yeah. again that's Nicholas Jackson you have to say what a shift he put in up front yeah. but I think if you're looking at quality in the way that the game was affected Enzo Fernandez was just I haven't seen him like that in a Chelsea shirt yet. And I thought he was exceptional anyway. His ability to create space and pass and shift the ball with that, with consummate ease all the time, it blew my mind. His passing is incredible, right? Like yeah. his passes to the left or the right side, I think he had one right to Chilwell. It's like, it's just magnificent, right on the dot. And his vision in the midfield is was just crazy. Crazy, yeah. especially with the counter press that Liverpool does and he's able to get out of those uh, positions. I think... When Caicedo's there, it's just going to be a whole different level of Enzo. If I was opposition teams, I would be very worried. 
because that team today was a makeshift Chelsea team. And I made this point a couple of pods ago that I think the Chelsea team, what it's going to look like after September 1st when the transfer deadline passes is very different to how it's going to look now. I'm pretty convinced that there's going to be another goalkeeper bought after Kepa's gone. Caicedo is going to be there. And I think there's at least another midfielder coming in. Yeah. We're probably thinking of Elise as well from yeah, Bristol Palace. Another tent and, uh, and maybe even another forward as well. Yeah. Depending because Brozier was nowhere to be seen today. And I feel that he's coming back from that injury. He and might then even getting Nani back yeah. you know, from injury is going to be big, especially to give him some sort of competition with Sterling there on the right side. Interesting. Alex, Alexis uh, McAllister had a really good quote at the end of the game. He said, Enzo, Enzo Fernandez today showed why they paid what they paid for him. You know, his Argentinian countrymen. And, and even I thought McAllister had a really good game for Liverpool. I thought he was good. Yeah, he was out of position yeah, as well. Exactly. Like, I think he could have done, when Sanchez made that mistake, he should have just shot. I yeah. don't know why he tried to shift it to Nunez. Talking about the goalkeeper, how did you think he did? I think I think overall he had a really, really good game, except for that one mistake. Yeah. I think he did a good job um, in those curls that I think Van Dyke had, whoever. That, I mean, that went in. There's nothing you can do. Yeah. But being on the set pieces, coming out and grabbing the ball in that, in that last part, and then just finding Mudrick and making that, in that, that sort of counter position that we had to we almost scored, I don't think our other goalkeepers would have done that. No. And so I think he's being aggressive as a goalkeeper in set pieces is something that we lacked. We always criticized Kepa not coming out to punch balls away or trying to grab a balls or whatever, right? He'd always let the defenders do what they had, and it's more of a reactionary goalkeeper on set pieces. But it's nice seeing uh, Sanchez being very aggressive on set pieces. And catching it. The punching yeah. thing annoys me because essentially it's a 50-50 if you're going to give possession back to the attacking team. When you've got the attributes that he has to catch the ball, he's so tall and he looked confident when he was yeah. doing it. He didn't look like he was hesitating. And I like the fact he came and caught it because it, you keep possession in that moment yeah. and you can you can counterattack immediately. And that's what happens. And like, I've read some very funny comments on Twitter saying that um, there was like a mini like goal scoring style celebration in the Matthew Harding stand when Sanchez caught the ball, <laughs> which is it's quite funny. But I think that tells you a lot in terms of the confidence that breeds not just in the defense but also in your supporters who are watching the game that your goalkeeper is commanding and like to be honest that reminded me a little bit of what, what Courtois used to offer he would just come and just dominate that even area. Mendy Mendy would come up and grab the ball I mean, he had the height right yeah. and, he had, and the physicality of doing that in that CL run he'd come out and just grab the ball whenever he could yeah um the other thing is is that I thought he played well because you're talking about a goalkeeper who was pushed out at Brighton yeah. has had had zero reps at Brighton at the last half of the season, comes into a new team within weeks, has no relationship outside of Levi Colwell uh, in the back line, and being able to communicate with him, with DeSassi, a new center back on the right. Yeah. It's, 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 it's wild, and it's actually very, very good. I was very impressed with him. You know, that first goal, there's nothing you can do about that. That was just no. a great pass by Salah to Diaz, and there's really it's hard to do a reactionary save. Yes, you almost got to it. Yeah, he did, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think the only thing I was sort of annoyed with was, you know, his distribution on that one pass where he, I don't know who he was trying to kick it to. Uh, I think he was looking at Enzo, and Enzo was pointing one way, and he thought Enzo wanted the ball, and Enzo was like, no, I didn't yeah. want the ball, and I don't know where he was going with that. And that sort of gave me flashbacks of Mendy. Yeah. You know, uh, so, but overall, I think I thought he was good. Yeah, likewise. I think that, I don't want to get too high on it. I think you, he was a solid, really solid performance, and I feel that that's okay. You don't want your goalkeeper to be the star of the show all the time. Like, I know you want them to make saves and everything, but you want to have that, con goalkeeper to me, like, as someone who, 
whenever I played, I was played defence, is that you need that kind of confidence behind you that the keeper is ready to, to step in where it needs to be. And like, he was quiet for most of it. He didn't have that much to do. Yeah, let's talk about our back line. Obviously, uh, Silva, to perform at that level at that age, it's just he's astounding. Magic. He's magic. And he, I remember he ran back and got a ball, and I was like, recharge, recharge your energy, <laughs> Silva, you know? <laughs> I mean, he was just, God, his, and he was able to step into the midfield and cut off their passing lanes or, you know, intercepting some of the balls and stuff like that, which is incredible. And, he, I mean, he's, what, two years older than Vincent Company, and he's still playing at a high level in the Premier League? Player of the Year last year, incredible. And then Colwell, my goodness, he had some sexy moves out there. I mean, he's a good-looking dude, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was just sort of waving past from the Liverpool Liverpool attackers and was just making incredible passes down the line. Thiago Silva, I think I'm intent on appreciating every moment that he's in our Chelsea team this season because, I mean, father time catches up with you eventually. And you saw the, rap, the kind of rapid de- decline in Cesar Aspedaqueta. And I don't think it's an indictment on him if we see that at any level. But, I mean, there's no sign of that happening yet. But, wow, what a player. And just, he, like, what a leader to have within that group of players right now in terms of the defence. Like, De Sassi's a little bit older than some of the others. He's 24. Good player. He grew into it. But Levi Colwell, man, 20 years old and, like, he just has that calming presence. And he's what, like a veteran out there. It feels yeah. like he has such a veteran presence out there. I don't think you can under understate how good he is on the ball as well. Some of the passes he was laying on down the left channel for Chilwell or for Sterling or Jackson just adds that dimension to, to our play that we can get the ball out quickly. And he, I, His passing, I didn't see the stats on his passing accuracy, but I imagine it's pretty high. And do you remember that incident in the first half where he was like, near their penalty box and did that, that kind of Cruyff yeah. turn and then shielded, laid it on for Jackson. Yeah. What a player. What a player. And I feel, I'm just, I, I know I mentioned this last time, I can't tell you how happy I am that we signed him and how like dedicated he seems. And we have got a gem. We yeah. have got a gem. And then DeSassi, what a, what a debut. Yeah. You grew know, into the game. Grew into the game. A little shaky in the beginning, but everybody was. And then just yeah. afterwards was able to clear the balls. Really good on set pieces. Just f- adds that physical dimension And then on, as well. on, and scoring a goal yeah. at, you know, at the bridge. He Amazing. is built. Yeah. He is, he, he he is, is a wall. <laughs> <laughs> he is ripped. Yeah. <laughs> That's somebody I don't want to get a fight with. Oh, no. I gave him my gym workout tips. So <laughs> he's really? uh, he copied mine. <laughs> and then uh, our midfield, uh, Connor Gallagher. I thought second half was just almost like N'Golo Kante was out there, you know, just, just getting yeah. in there, making tackles, getting the ball back. A couple of mistakes here or there in the first half, but, you know, he, I mean, you're asking a player to play in that sixth role, the defensive mid role that he's not used to playing. He did a great job. Yeah, he did. And fair play to him. And then, um, we, and then we talked about Enzo. Yeah. And then Carney, I think again, in the beginning, I think he had a little bit, you know, he's sort of, I guess, nervous or whatever. He's only then, 19 still. Yeah, and that's and like then, a big game to come into. Yeah. And then afterwards, I thought he was really, really what good as well. talent he is. Yeah. I think we're lucky. We're going to be very, very lucky. We've got I, some amazing I think I want, players. I, you know, I don't think I want to send him on loan. I think he should be. No, he I think I want him in the squad. He's yeah. good enough. Especially, especially with, when Cuckoo. Yeah. And so we're about to say exactly the same thing, which happens fairly regularly. But yeah, what a player. Um, and then the attackers. So two attackers, really. Sterling and Nico Jackson. I think Nico Jackson. I mean, to me, there were shades of Drogba out there. Oh. Being able to have an attacking player with that much pace and speed 
I mean, he was just running past Kanate and Van Dyke on some of those plays. Two very physical players, yeah, and just and, shrugging them off. I'm sure if he had pulled Kanate, if he had Kanate had pulled him down, he would have gotten a second yellow right then yeah. and there, you know. But still, what what a, just a physical presence as a striker, his hold up play. And I, we said that on the pod. This is a guy I'm actually most interested in seeing at Chelsea, most excited for. And he's he's, I mean, he didn't score, but he did all the other things. The finishing needs improving, I, and that's I, fine, and yeah. that will come. But like. You want your strikers to get in the right areas. And also, not just this hold-up play. He drops back. He was shit. they making them shit themselves at the back. And it was him. Like, that pace. We haven't had that as a stri- in a striker since Diego Costa, the physicality maybe. And even then, Costa didn't have that speed. I think you implement the system around that kind of player. He's really, a, what a find. What a find. He's a striker that can also press. Yeah. You know, especially when we get a good defensive bit in there, allowing the our attackers to go and press the ball really well. That's something you want. Lukaku could never do that. Murata couldn't do that. Nope. You know, this is a, this is like the mode of, and he's young. Yeah, he's a young young striker. He, there's shades of glory coming for this guy. It's going to be awesome. And Sterling, I think Sterling. Uh, this is such a polarizing player, yeah. right? We talked about this at length at the pub and in the car ride back. I think um, in the first half he was great. I think him and I think his relationship with Reese James on the right is going to be awesome. I think they're both, you know, England national teams. They're they're going to be able to put balls in for both of each other, you know, swing on the right or left or whatever. I think it's going to be very, very good for him. I think in the second half, you saw some of our attacking play sort of when he got to Sterling, it sort of withered out. Yeah. And that's the frustration you see a lot about Sterling from the fans at the pub and online and even at the bridge. That Every time the ball gets to him, there's this sort of, premonition that our attacking play is going to die. And I saw that a couple of times in the second half, but in the first half, I thought he was great. Yeah. And I think this is a point that we talked to. Yeah. As you said, we talked about this at length. I think he didn't look great in preseason, but I think he got better as the preseason went on. I thought he was excellent in that first half and yeah, he, he, his level dropped off in the second, but I think most of our attacking play did in that first part of the second half. And this is what you, you have to, I know people, it's easy to get on people, like people find it easy to get on his back because he's, as you mentioned to me, he's a polarizing figure, but he's got a lot of experience and a lot of ability to score goals and a lot of ability to create great attacking play. And I just, I feel that I fancy to give him a bit more of a chance before we judge a bit more and let's support the team and support the players at all, all costs, I'd say. I think he's going to get that Kai Havertz treatment or even Mason Mount, there are two polarizing players in the last couple of years at Chelsea because they have flashes of brilliance. Yeah. And then there are games when they just shut down and shut off. With those two people gone, I think he's going to be on the spotlight yeah. amongst Chelsea Agreed. fans. And I think he has a skill. In the, I mean, we saw it in 2019, 2020, when he scored 20-plus goals. I mean, he was the top goal scorer for Man City that year. This guy has a talent. He wouldn't be starting for England if he didn't have the talent. He wouldn't be scoring goals in the Euro, Euros Yeah, when, you know, off and on for England. I think wait, he scored how many goals in a row he scored for England? I think it was four. I think yeah. he scored in every game. Yeah, and so besides not, the final. Yeah, this guy has the talent. I just maybe it's mind games. Maybe with the preseason he just wasn't up to speed and, and it doesn't help going through four different managers, you yeah. know, and then playing with Klopp or sorry, playing with um with Pep, you know, five five years in a row, then going to a club where they have four or five different managers coming in and out. I think with Pochettino, he will he will shine. We didn't we didn't see a lot of it in the second half, but there's 37 more games, and I think he's going to be. I think he'll score 10 goals, 10 plus goals this year. Yeah, and I will be the first one if his levels are not high enough to be say he needs to be benched. We've got this is the thing about good having good competition in all positions is that 
No one should feel safe. No one should. Yeah, and I think this game would have done better with the healthy Nani because Nani is a very attacking player and he can go at those defenders in Liverpool. And I think that's one of their weaknesses, right? It's when they're getting attackers right at them without having a defensive mid. But I think Sterling in the first half did really, really well with this partnership with Reese James. Yep, agreed. Burning question. Yes. Was it a penalty? The handball. Yeah. You know, we, for those of you guys who don't know, Simon and I sort of sit by each other and we sort of comment on the game at the pub together. And I, we both initially thought it was a penalty. I think if I was a Liverpool fan, I would have felt that we got gaslighted. I think, you know, that mm-hmm. it looked like a penalty just from the first uh, replay. But then after looking at it a couple of times and we came home and watched the highlights, it wasn't a penalty for me. His hand was in his chest. It's part of the body. If it hits his hand, it could have hit his chest. It's no penalty for me. Yeah, agreed. Initially, I we both said that's a penalty. That's like a stick on. And then you look at it at different angles and where the referee made that call, his body, his hands were like, but not stretched out like he was trying to stop the ball. And the rule is, unless it's a clear and obvious error, they don't have to make the change, right? So it's not, it's an ambiguous situation. So it could, I think it could, it's like 50-50, like, Depending on your luck, it could have gone that way. And usually Anthony Taylor means that would have been a penalty for Chelsea. So, I mean, we've had enough shit decisions from him previously that I would think that this evens it out a little bit. Because you could argue that some of the decisions that he's made against us previously have gone, worked against us. This one went for us. And I think I'm a firm believer that all bad refereeing decisions even itself out eventually. I don't think it's favoritism towards any team. I feel that the level of refereeing in English football was so bad that it's a, sh- it's, it's a shit show, but it generally evens itself out. Yeah, overall, obviously, I have my biases towards Anthony Taylor. I think he's... I just, I just hate him. He's an awful referee. He's an awful referee, especially during Chelsea games, and especially cup competitions, too. Yeah, you know, the terrible, big terrible decisions, yeah. And uh, he was polarizing this in the in the beginning, right, in the in Europe, yeah. or in the, is it the Conference League champion or whatever? Is uh, or Europa, Europa League, League final. Where yeah. Mourinho went after him, which yeah. was appalling, by the yeah, way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but today, honestly, I was okay with some of the calls he made. I think we escaped some yellows. I think there are times where Nico Jackson kind of kicked the ball away or was up and, you know, was trying to delay the play. And by the new standards, that's a yellow card. And he booked McAllister for asking for a yellow, which I like. Yeah. Actually, quite, to be honest, everyone's like moaning about some of these new refereeing laws. And I'm like, well, there are adjustments to what's actually happening in the game and let's see how it transpires a little bit. And as a Chelsea fan, I'm just kind of happy that there wasn't a big VAR referee judgment against us that changed the scope of the game like it has been in years past with Liverpool. Yep, new change, new style. Yeah. So, yeah, great game. Very, very excited. I think Pochettino, I think in his press conference after the game, said that he felt we, we were the team that should have won. There were chances for us. And I think that's awesome for a manager to say that, not just happy being having a 1-1 draw, even though both of us were pretty happy about yeah, the yeah. 1-1 draw. Any uh, lasting thoughts about the game? I thought we should have won, but when it's Liverpool, it's the first game of the season when we've still, like, still very early stages of a new era with lots of new players coming in. It's not just the players we've signed... The, like Levi coming back, Disassi, a new system, a new striker, a new midfield that's we know is not the ideal system that we want to play. 
I'm happy with the point. Yeah, and you have to take be happy with the point against Liverpool. They're very good. When Malagusto came in, Ian Madsen came in, Leslie Ugachuku came in. Oh, yeah. One of my friends texted me and said, well, "I have to look up who half these players are. I've never heard who they were." And I was like, "Yeah, it's just you know Thiago Silva. They're managing a daycare out on the pitch. You know, all of his young kids out there playing. He's tw- he must be like nearly. T- I think he must be twice the age of Ugachuku. Uh, right? Probably has to be. Yeah." Yeah. That is bonkers. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely a change in, in our formation and just our overall um, pressing ability when the when the youngsters came in, but still really happy they got some minutes. But overall, incredible game. I think the biggest point is that both teams are missing a, a defensive mid, and yes. it showed in today's game. Thankfully, I think that's about to get resolved. Yeah. For us, anyway. Fuck Absolutely. Liverpool. <laughs> Absolutely. So that brings us to the end of this episode, episode 24, the Reese James special. Uh, great 1-1 draw, great atmosphere at the bar. It was exciting to celebrate the beginning of the new year with Simon, or the beginning of the season as well. Again, we thank you all for listening to our podcast. Uh, I know it takes a lot of dedication to listen to each episode. And again, we'll be coming out with an episode this week, previewing the West Ham game. Yeah. Chelsea going to London Stadium. Yeah, little London rivalry there. The Hammers. I was actually born very near West Ham. So Were you? Yeah, yeah. Did yeah. you have any bubbles? <laughs> <laughs> they, they give them out in the maternity ward. <laughs> they do. Here you go. You're now a hammer. Here's some bubbles yeah. and a hammer. <laughs> That's all you get. That's right. So yeah, listen. That probably dropping that episode Wednesday or Thursday. But again, thank you guys so much for listening. Again, follow us on any social media if you have Twitter or Instagram. We at CATW Podcast. That's CATW Podcast. And if you want to email us any questions, comments, or suggestions for any future content, please email us at podcast catw at gmail dot com. That's podcast catw at gmail dot com. Yeah, starting the season with some optimism. That's what we really want. Um, yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. Again, if you are, listen, whatever podcast platform you're listening on, please do give us a five-star review if you enjoy the content. It really helps us get to as many people as we possibly can. And uh, thanks to all the new listeners who tuned in as well. I know we've got a few new listeners this week. So thank you so much, and we'll see you next time for a preview of the West Ham game. Keep the faith, and uh, let's beat the Irons.